for a single soul. Reaching a further and stepping in closer. Good day, everyone, and welcome to today's Living Life. You know, there have been many times in the past when I do uh, Living Life devotionals that I've asked people to, you know, either read the previous passage or the next day's passage for continuity and to get the bigger picture, but rarely as parallels so close to each other. What I mean is that today's passage, verses 11 to 25, and then tomorrow's passage, 26 to verse 38, they're almost exact parallels. So, uh, yes, if you haven't yet, after you listen or read today's passage, um, so maybe even you know, before you listen to the body of the devotional, after you listen to today's passage or read it, like, just keep going and then at least read. Turn the page, read tomorrow's passage before you listen to today's devotional and you will see what I mean. So I'll be covering a little bit of tomorrow's passage today because of the parallel as well. Let's read the passage, maybe passages, and then we'll continue. Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 25. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, as we begin, let's take a quick look at the structure of both passages. And you might want to kind of flip back and forth and maybe write some of these notes down. 
Both passages can be roughly divided into two parts, with Gabriel the angel addressing Zechariah in today's passage and Mary in tomorrow's passage at the beginning of both parts. And both parts end with a response from someone. In today's passage, it's Zechariah, and in uh, Zechariah, and then Elizabeth responds. In tomorrow's passage, it is Mary at both times. The plot line is also very similar in both passages. Gabriel ap appears to announce a miraculous birth of um, John and then Jesus, of course, and then both Zechariah and Mary responds incredulously. Like they're like, "What?" What's going on? What do you mean? That's so unbelievable. Um, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I, I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Mary, in tomorrow's passage, says, uh, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Right Now, the interesting thing here, huge thing is that Zechariah is admonished as in his reply is taken negatively or is negative, while Mary's is not. Gabriel then ends the conversation in a similar way with both of them. To Zechariah, he says, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. And then tomorrow's passage, to Mary, he says, for the word of God will never fail. Both passages end with a woman concluding, um, Elizabeth, uh, Zechariah's wife, in today's passage, exclaiming praises and joy, and then, almost dropped my book there, um, and then Mary, humbly and faithfully in tomorrow's passage. Now, why is Zechariah's response taken negatively while Mary's wasn't? They sound almost the same. It's like you have a shock and then the reason for the shock that they are so surprised. I think the hint might begin in Gabriel's, Gabriel's parting words. At the end of verse 20 in today's passage, it says, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. The emphasis certainly will be, be fulfilled. In tomorrow's passage, in verse 37, it says, for the word of God will never fail. Behind Zechariah and Mary's words and responses, there was a lack of faith in one and the presence of faith in the other in terms of the fulfillment and the promise of the Word of God, an existing attitude towards God and the Word of God. What's even more interesting is that Zechariah is a mature, grown priest of, in the temple, while Mary is a young woman with no noteworthy reputation. Now, this is kind of similar to, you know, something that I have been reflecting on for quite a few years, um, thinking about the very negative attitudes that the Pharisees had towards Jesus and his words, right? Because pretty much, well, not all of them, there were some that came to belief and came to faith, but most of them ridiculed Jesus, cursed him, and they completely rejected him. And, you know, it always gets me thinking, how would I have responded? Right? If I was alive 2,000 years ago, hearing Jesus say those things and seeing Jesus do those, do those things, and I am a Jew, I am an Israelite, how would I have responded? How would you have responded? Would I have responded like the Pharisees or be counted among Jesus' disciples and followers? And same kind of thing here. If you were in Zechariah or Mary's shoes, what would be your attitude? Not so much with your words, but your existing inner mental and heart attitude. And it's fun that in today's passage, or today and tomorrow's passage, we have both the male angle and the female angle covered. 
both contexts, you know, in their particular context, accounted for. And I have to admit that even as a pastor, reading, studying, and teaching the Word of God, sometimes, you know, all of that is easier than living in a way that really embodies or carries the Word of God, that really shows it. I think that's one of the biggest challenges to pretty much every pastor. Now, is there a way to check ourselves? What I thought was, firstly, we would need to be in contact with the Word of God in the first place. I think that is the beginning, the starting place. A lack of contact would mean an automatic ambivalence and apathy. So you need to be contact, in contact with the Word of God. And then as we are in contact or in the Word of God, reading, studying, and or listening, are we engaged, right? Like first contact and then engaged. That's kind of the way I um, show it with my hands. Are we engrossed because it is appealing, because it is interesting and you understand it and you realize the truth that is in it? Or is it in one year and out the other kind of situation? I think it is a good time, especially in the beginning of the year, to reflect on and search our inner attitude towards God and the Word of God. Now, some of you already know my application that I'm going to start talking about, and that is the Bible. Yes, to read the Bible. Those of us who, were part of, who are part of Onuri Church anywhere in the world, last year, we started the year writing out the Bible with our hands. That was fun. That was exciting. And then a little bit later, we read through the entire Bible with an audio Bible in 90 days, right? That is how we started last year. What about this year? I hope none of us will say, well, I did that twice last year. This year, I don't have to. No, it doesn't work like that. Let's continue to be in contact with the Word of God and then engrossed by the Word of God. Continue. Now, this year, maybe read through or write through a different translation or you know, a different kind of type in terms of a chronological Bible. That's something that I'm working on right now, to read the Bible from beginning to end with like that has been arranged chronologically. It is so interesting, by the way. And then uh, use, your, use an audio Bible. Like you'll be surprised at how much more engaging it is when it is recorded well, dramatized well, right? It's some, some of it can be really, really fun. When you are commuting, when you are running and exercising, listen to the Word of God, internalize it, and then let us stay in contact with the Word of God and engrossed by the Word of God this year. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your Word, Lord, and I pray that in 2022, that it will remain the center of our lives, the center of our focus, and in and through your Word, may we continue to receive grace, even though we suffer, even though we have many difficulties and many frustrations, O oh Lord, uh, with the continuing pandemic, not knowing uh, when it will end, if it will end, with the many uh, variants and so forth, God. Your Word is the constant in our lives, the life-giving source in our lives. So I pray that all of us will be in contact and continue to be engrossed by your Word throughout 2022. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For a single soul, reaching a world and stepping in closer, CGM.